this is Got Marketing, a fad-free, fluff-free, no-nonsense podcast for marketers looking to work smarter. I'm your host, Mia Feilman, a marketing strategist with over two decades of experience and an entrepreneur. I'm tired of marketers telling you what you want to hear. Instead, I tell you what you need to hear. During the show, I chat with creatives and strategists about all the aspects of marketing, but especially marketing campaigns. Unpacking and dissecting marketing campaigns is what I do for fun. Got Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, the marketing education platform where marketers and entrepreneurs go to upskill. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello, and welcome back to the Got Marketing podcast. I'm your host, Mia, and joining me today on the show, I have a Darwin friend called Dante St. James, who I met at a conference recently. Dante is a lead trainer with Meta Australia and New Zealand, formerly Facebook, a digital advisor and trainer for a federal business support program and the Northern Territories Entrepreneurship Facilitator on behalf of the Australian government's Workforce Australia. He also consults privately for organisations such as Victoria State Opera, Mushroom Records and New South Wales Health. Today, we are going to have a very spicy discussion. I know I say this about every episode that it's going to be juicy, but this one is called Stop Blaming Algorithms for Your Content. Eek. I sense some hard truths and truth bombs in this episode. Welcome to the show, matey. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to the spice. (laughs) Always, always need to bring the spice. Attention spans have dwindled and we need to get right to what people need to hear, not what people want to hear. I would say that's exactly right. Uh, the the attention spans, what we call the TikTokification of of social media, particularly, has got some people saying that social media is actually dead. That there's now it's a creator media rather than a social media. Which I guess you know when I take a look inside groups on Facebook or I look inside places like Reddit or Discord, I'm certainly not seeing that. Oh, totally. However, I say that attention spans are dwindled, but then. People will listen to a podcast, a 45-minute episode podcast, almost until the end. Stats show that they they listen to at least 75% of it. People will binge watch Game of Thrones, which are hour-long episodes. So I think it's just our appetite for shit content has definitely dwindled, but our appetite for content has quadrupled, really. Relevance, I guess, is what makes something premium to us. And if it's relevant to us, we will spend a lot of time on it. I just watched my housemate, right? Gen Z sits down and plays uh, Overwatch as a game. And, and I don't know anything about the game or the gaming community, but he'll sit there and literally play this game for six and seven hours. And that's from a generation who has no attention span. It's not <laughs> that they don't have attention span. They just won't tolerate things that mean nothing to them. Correct. Totally. So a bit of context. I met you at a conference earlier this year that we were both invited to speak at and I threw some serious shade at social media platforms during my presentation, which is not uncommon for me. There's no denying that I have a love-hate relationship with Meta specifically, but your LinkedIn bio says Meta lead trainer. So is it love all the way for you? 
Oh, this is really a hard one to say because I guess I wear a hat as a meta lead trainer, as a contract to them as a trainer, and I also wear the hat as a digital agency owner and and a consultant who has to work to unravel the problems that people have with Meta's different family of apps. So it's, it's on one hand, I, c- I can see so much possibility and so much great use and so many amazing use cases and case studies of businesses that are doing so well using Instagram, using Facebook and all the tools in there. And then the other hand, I'm working with people to unravel their business managers and to teach them why their Instagram won't link with their Facebook in business suite. And, and, and they're, they're confused about whether it's creator studio or business suite. And should I be doing reels? What are reels? And everything changes yet again. So it's social media does deserve some of the hate that comes its way. It certainly does. I think it certainly does, especially when you have a problem like that, where your business manager's not talking to your ads manager. And then how are you supposed to troubleshoot that? It's not like you can get on the phone, email, chat, anything with Meta. Maybe it's you can. really hard to work. Yeah. Look, sometimes I can. The people I, I work with, the Australian office in Sydney, and it's most to do with policy and, and community rather than business support, which happens mostly out of the Singapore office. So then the access to those people is you know, a pay to play kind of environment. The, the bigger a client you are, you get an account manager. But if you're not quite a big enough a client to get that kind of account manager, then your support options are all handled through the chat that's in the uh, ads manager. And then that's where things get a bit funny because what if you don't actually see that chat in the ads manager? Because some people don't. What if you go through your different pages experience and you've got a completely different layout to what someone else has and you go into Facebook help and then you see that there's a certain set of instructions that don't apply to you because you've got a completely different interface. And this is the issues you get when you've got, you know, 3 billion people on a platform and only so many people there to support that platform. It's really hard work. Mate, you're making my argument for me. <laughs> this is you're absolutely just singing exactly my tune. So, fun story, and by fun I mean not so fun. The Darwin Festival. I am running their social media campaign this season, and we created a hype reel using a track from one of our artists called The Lazy Eyes. And of course, we got permission from The Lazy Eyes to use the song. But what did Meta do? They removed the scissor reel from Meta because of copyright infringement and gave me absolutely no recourse. There was nothing. You could contest that somebody else was using our copyright. So I could say, oh, so-and-so is using our copyright, but I couldn't say, I actually legally have the right to use this. And that was a key part of our campaign strategy was this one minute scissor reel. And it completely did not appear on social media platforms. And that's a bit devastating. We see this happening time and time again across multiple platforms. It certainly is common on Facebook, really common on Instagram, stupidly common on YouTube where there's just takedown requests all the time with no way of you fighting back against. It's just an instant takedown. Now, naturally, you had the permission, but where is the process that tells you how to gain that permission? And even if you do gain that permission and it's it's advised through to the platforms, there's no telling that the algorithm is not going to still take it down anyway, simply because the default legally is to recognize a pattern, take it down, recognize a pattern, take it down. And the only people who seem to be able to get around this is the the one platform that's done the best deal with the record companies and the publishers and distributors, and that's TikTok. This mm. never happens with them simply because they've done the deals that, that I guess that a lot of the other social platforms and video platforms didn't do. 
Yeah. And I think the only solution to this is just not to have all of your eggs in the social media basket. Like it is literally a borrowed channel. So you've got to play by their rules. And that's just not my kind of style bending to the whims of the platforms. And so I'm a big, big advocate of building owned channels and earned channels in order to, you know, have that multi-channel approach to your marketing rather than everything on socials. Absolutely agree. And even in our first training I ever did with, with Meta back in 2018, when I first came on board as a trainer, was that we don't put down other platforms. We don't talk about us being the only place because if you find that your success is through radio, by all means, use radio and do a bit of Facebook on the side. If you're finding that television or, or print is really working for you, in some niche cases it really does, then the advice isn't, oh, dump everything and just go for Instagram when we know darn well that every business is different, every market market is different, every niche is different, and every audience is different. So it's a matter of less of finding one place to do everything. And it's omni-channel marketing, which I know that you work a lot in, is identifying where is the audience for this particular product or service and identify and go there, go where people already are. Totally. Okay. So if algorithms aren't to blame for poor performing content, wash is... I've got a theory, which is marketers ruin everything. And every time there's a great platform that comes out, whether it's Vine or whether it's you know Periscope or, or Twitter or anything, it, it only takes a moment for the marketers to go, oh, here's the opportunity, quick spam it with my courses, spam it with my products, spam it with my services and turn it into just a horrible place that's seriously full of tons and tons of ads and people just saying, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And we've seen some of the pushback of that, particularly particularly back in about 2012, which was when I really think we noticed first that Facebook particularly was taking a uh, connections first, brands second approach and really showing that, you know, okay, we're being absolutely hammered by all these brands just coming in, flooding the market, filling Facebook feeds. And so that's when we started to see like the timeline and the feed come through that was a more algorithmically generated one to, you know, show people what they had shown that they're most interested, which is generally connections with families and friends. By then, Facebook groups really weren't a big thing. They came a little bit later. Then you fast forward about 2017 when we really noticed it. That's when the, the talk used to be that, you know, if you're, if you're reaching with your post about 25% of your, of your following, so if you've got 100 people and you're reaching 25, that's pretty good. Now we're saying these days in 2022, and well, back in 2017, it was about it was down to about 5%. Now it's about you know 1%. If you're reaching one, you're doing pretty well. Yet we see so many creator brands that are reaching well beyond that. So it just seems to be this mismatch where, you know, I come in as a new, let's just say someone who's selling you know, tarot card sets and also selling myself as a tarot reader. I get in there and I have not got a chance in hell of ever getting any sort of momentum because simply I don't have the following already. If I was coming for another platform and bringing those people with me, then I've got something of a chance when I'm first starting. The problem is that when we first start on any platform, we tend to go in with what we've done elsewhere that didn't work for us elsewhere. We just do the same thing, the same Canva templates, the same the patterns of, oh, yes, it's Friday and yeah, it's hump day and it's throwback Thursday. And we go back all these, these cliches from 10, 15 years ago that didn't really work then either, but we've got convinced that that's what we need to do. Oh, quickly, it's an awareness day tomorrow. Let's throw up a post in support of it when it's got absolutely no link or no connection to what we're doing. And so what we keep doing is trying to hammer these square pegs in the round holes and hopefully this thing will, will make 
people notice. Maybe this thing will make people notice without any real idea of, or any understanding or any context of who it is you're actually trying to reach. And if you get to that point where you go, I finally now understand who it is I'm trying to reach and what I'm trying to do. It's like trying to turn the Titanic five meters away from the iceberg. That's a big ship. It's going to take a while to turn that around. And likewise, it's going to take a while for the algorithm to recognize that you're doing something better now. And that usually, unfortunately, in the meta case, takes ads. It takes boosts. It takes those kind of things to then bring in enough people who are showing an interest and showing some sort of engagement for what you're doing. But if you're not willing to do that, and many small brands are definitely not willing to do that because they've been educated through a lot of really dodgy online courses say, go organic, everything's organic, do all this organic. When the reality is they've never been able to get any momentum through that. But if you want big change, it requires big actions. Completely agree. I, you are definitely singing my, <laughs> my tune again. Gut Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, a marketing education platform for entrepreneurs. Master the fundamentals of marketing, nail your email marketing strategy, or join my signature program, Campaign Classroom, and learn how to create killer marketing campaigns. These are not the kind of online programs where you are left floundering, unsure how to put theory into practice. Nor will these programs sit unfinished for months. You can expect accountability, a supportive community, and to walk away with practical, real-world marketing skills. Learn more at campaigndelmar.com. So what are creators doing differently then that is making them tap into this elusive organic reach, which seems to be off limits for everybody else? I think they get onto the new functions when they're big. So we saw a lot of people hop on the, the live video thing. So when we first saw Periscope and Meerkat and those kind of things, they got in early to those things. And by the time it hit live video on Facebook, those creators were already in there. They knew what they were doing. They did it straight away. As soon as that was in, they understood intrinsically, I guess, that when a social platform releases a new feed or a new function or a new way of doing things, that is like the magical golden door that says, okay, now I can get so much more reach. We saw it recently with Reels on Instagram and even more recently now with Reels on Facebook as well. But like all things, the the party ends at some point and then mm -hmm. it goes back to, okay, back into a bit more of a, a stable way of doing things. But the advantage of live video back when it was really big was simply because it notified everybody who was following you that you were about to go live. Now it doesn't notify everyone. It just notifies the people who are most likely to be engaging with it because we've got, what, five, six years of live video data that now shows that out of the 2,000 people that might be following you, about 20 people are going to be the ones that ever watch a live video. They might all get notified. They'll drop in. They'll watch it for a minute and you're just there rabbiting on about something, some network marketing scheme that they don't care about. Then they're straight back out again. So what do you think is going to happen next time? You know, when you go live and then the notifications go out, well, 190. 98 people are not going to get that message because they didn't respond, respond in the first place. And the other, you know, nearly 1,000 people, they're not going to even know that it ever happened simply because when they've, if they've popped into live video like this before, they've just gone, no, nah, this is not for me and popped straight back, back out again. Sure. But how do we balance then not being performing monkeys and dancing to the whims of these platforms. Like I believe that good marketing takes time and, you know, you shouldn't just jump straight into something. So like with reels, I took my time to get 
geared up for that because it's like, all right, well, I want to do this well. I don't want to just dance and point and lip sync and, you know, point to three neat tips on my screen. So I want to take some time to do it well. But then by the time I've entered the Reels market, which was only about six months after they launched, it's already like past the first mover. So how should brands, are are we supposed to just be sitting there waiting for the next thing to come up so that we can just jump on it? Or can we be more strategic? It can be more strategic with the things that are already there. So Mm. making good use of what's already there. So a post on a page that's just basically a Canva graphic and and a whole lot of words with emojis at every dot point is is so out of date and so ridiculously ineffective that it's just not even worth it. Mm -hmm. So what you do is look for, you experiment with what's going to work the best. So at some point, yes, your small following that you might see, for instance, at one point you were getting four you know, reactions to anything you were doing and your reach for that particular post was so, so small and you got four reactions and you're like, man, I need to do something about that. And then you start experimenting. So the experiment might be to, I've got a particular writing style that I use and anyone who is is told about that writing style, they go, oh my God, I can totally see it in every post you do, (laughs) what that style is. And there's five of them. And so what I do, I I vary those five arounds. Now there's usually one of the styles, which I call the contrarian post, which is, you know, probably one of your favorites is where I just, (laughs) you'd love it. You'd love it. It'd be a a, a commonly known piece of wisdom that people just assume is true. And then I, I tear it down. Um, and that's usually the most popular thing I do. And then I found that's all I do, mate. That's it. That's the whole content <laughs> strategy. But then I walk, these contrarian posts start dropping a little bit, and I'm going, mm, I've, I've had about like a 25% drop in this. Uh, maybe it's time to maybe lighten that up a little bit and not just be contrarian by tearing things down, but be contrarian with a way of building something up. So turning mm. around that mood, because you know all the platforms have a sentiment analysis. LinkedIn's quite famous for it now. It's got a big focus on sentiment and the mood and the tone. And then you've also got the mood and the tone through Facebook also. We'll be able to read what's in those posts and be able to tell you know whether this is something and this came out of like 2016 election results and all that in the US that they can now read tone and sentiment so that if something's really really negative and it is tearing strips off it will be pushed down but if it's a little bit more positive and and doesn't bear all the hallmarks of a typically clickbaitish anger you know middle-aged white guy with a with an attitude about you know being so picked on and being such a fringe minority these days then it will go better and, and I've mm-hmm. shown that where I've tweaked things and had these experiments where I go, okay, let's, let's, let's find a different way of being contrarian without tearing things down. Let's try something different. And then I've got the four other kinds of writing styles I use, which then vary that around. And the other thing I do too is vary around when you're posting. Meta's already providing through Business Suite some optimal times that can say, these are the optimal times that it's going to be best for you to post. So I did an experiment. I simply went, okay, if you think the 6.30 PM is an optimal time for me to be posting something i'll believe you i'll go and do that and sure enough that was the time when my people were online and everything picked up by about 40 percent so if i just through rather than going through my usual posting processes i do over on a a system called social pilot which doesn't inherit those times then i've got to go well okay I'll, i'll post natively for for all the meta stuff in meta's tools and everything else i'll just send through here 
So it does involve a lot of experimentation. And like you said, you spent time experimenting and making sure you got to the right point of being able to post reels. I think we need to go back to the basics as well and do those same kind of experiments and preparing. Go in like we've never gone in before. And the, uh, probably the other thing to do as well, stop posting for about a week or two. Just stop. Don't be afraid of silence. Just stop. Let the algorithm notice that you've stopped. And when you come back in, you get a natural boost, which is yeah, basically, cool. oh, you've shown up again. I'm going to put you in front of more people because the idea is that something has changed, something's different. Your routine has changed. Therefore, let me run an experiment. Oh, amazing. That's such a good tip. So Sometimes we need to good- shut up. totally i've i've often said this to people i'm giving you permission to take two weeks off social media go out and plan something a campaign ideally please plan something really exciting and then actually go and do something interesting and then all the social media content in the world will naturally fall out of that so i'm hosting a one-day business retreat in darwin in september there is so much content around that. The venue, my collaboration partners, what are we going to talk about? What's the catering going to be like? Who is it for? You know, what are people going to get out of it? There's so much content because we're actually doing something interesting as opposed to just trying to create something interesting just by repeating the same messages over and over and over on social media. So good content will perform anywhere. That is my belief. Mm. And then that way, the inverse is also true. Terrible content will perform badly everywhere. So just because you've moved to TikTok and think you've got that first mover advantage, doesn't mean it's going to help your performance any better if you are just rolling out the same sort of same, same content. So love what you said about experimenting, about using new features, but also taking a hot minute to make sure that you are not just feeding the algorithm with more content that is, you know, going to be scrolled past. Brené Brown quotes and unsplash images that have been downloaded 550,000 times do not make for great social media content. And also, I know it's really tempting because you look at a competitor or someone that you aspire to and you look at their content and you try to reverse engineer it, it's not that simple. Really, it's not. Like, good luck to anyone that tries to, to knock off Campaign Del Mar. There's a lot more that you don't see behind the scenes. So it's really important to, like, stay in your own lane and figure out what works for you and your audience. We're all looking for hints and tips and the the three ways to do things. And the truth is that the only truth about social media and digital platforms in general is that there is no rule, there is no format, there is no formula, there is only what your particular followers want to see. And that's the only rule. What do they want to see? Find that. Exactly. But like, here's an example. Yesterday, I shared a carousel to Instagram, which was the different types of marketing campaigns. It has had 40 likes, nothing, absolutely like terrible. It's also had 40 saves, which is incredible, right? Like every single person who has liked that post has saved it. But even though the likes show up on Instagram, the saves don't, they only show up for me. So somebody looking at Campaign Delmar content, trying to sort of go, okay, what works for me? is going to look at that post and go, well, that post didn't work for me. So I won't do that. It's like, yes, it did. It worked really, really well. It also had something like 10 website clicks. So like we need to look beyond those vanity metrics. And that's what we mean when we say look beyond the vanity metrics. Good news. 
There's more to this chat. Play the next episode to hear the rest of the conversation.